and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hi, Terry. Hello, Anita. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to take a moment to just thank you for being here. Having depression is really tough, and the fact that you've searched out and found this resource is a really big deal and a step in your self-care. We are honored to be one of the tools that you're using to manage your mental health. And if you're new to this podcast, we welcome you, and we want you to know that this is one of hundreds of episodes in our archive that you can hear anytime for free on whatever player that you're listening from now or at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, where you could browse, read descriptions, find links, and tune into the stories that call out specifically to you. And while you're there, you can also give us feedback or suggestions using the record a message button. This interview is actually one of the very first we did when we started giving voice back in 2017. At the time, we were doing research on how to most effectively meet our mission of fighting the stigma of mental illness through shared personal stories of those who live with mental health conditions, a mission we share with our funding partner, the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We know that depression tells us that we'll always be in its grips and that there's no point in fighting. So each week, we counter that hopeless message with shared stories of people who have found ways out of the darkness so that we know that symptom management, recovery, and healing are not only possible, but common. Our guest today is Dr. Patrick Corrigan, one of the world's leading researchers about the stigma of mental illness. We asked him what he's learned from all of his research and what we needed to learn to best bring light into depression's darkness. So here now is Dr. Corrigan giving his voice to depression. According to his profile from the Illinois Institute of Technology, where he's a distinguished professor of psychology, Corrigan is the principal investigator of the National Consortium for Stigma and Empowerment, a research center that for years has looked at the stigma of mental illness. It's a heavy-hitting group with other researchers from Yale, UPenn, Rutgers, Temple University, the University of Wisconsin, Illinois State University, and the University of Chicago. Corrigan says the team's research began with what he calls the naive belief that the way to fight stigma is to educate everyone that mental illness is a brain disease. And actually, the research pretty clearly says that makes stigma worse. Education really doesn't work, which is a big shock. That's uh, not just a cranky old professor saying it. It's really based (laughs) on meta-analyses and a lot of other studies. 
Um, what really leads to changing is face-to-face human interactions between people who are struggle with a condition and everybody else who, for, for lack of a better word, we'll call the public. Specifically, interactions which communicate recovery, not just illness or struggles. You like to talk about on the way down story. So that is the challenges the person had with serious mental illness. Um, and on the way up stories, which is despite those challenges, people recover. They should have goals. They can achieve. They should be hopeful. And that's what the combining leads to the best message. Corrigan has freely shared his own mental health story in conferences and classes around the world, in hundreds of peer-reviewed articles, and more than a dozen books. He's also part of the team that developed the Honest Open Proud series of anti-stigma programs. And I just want to be able to share a part of who I am. I don't, I don't particularly want people to know so you can pity me or tell me how to get better. I just want people to know who the full Pat is. And so I've been hospitalized. Um, I took my meds this morning. I've struggled with alternately diagnosed with anxiety disorder, major depression, bipolar disorder. Um, it's had a pretty big challenge for me, but despite that, I'm able to get by and do okay in life. <laughs> and that's sort of that way down, way up story. I, so I go around the world presenting this program, and what I'm constantly amazed at is the number of people in the audience who say, I'm just sick and tired of having to keep it a secret. It's who I am, you know, I, I'm not bad, I'm not dirty, I didn't choose this. And so I think for a lot of people, the benefits of coming out is just being able to be authentic. For other ones, one of the other big ones for me personally is, you know, if I'm in a room with a 100 people, a hundred co-workers, statistically 20 of them have a serious mental illness, and yet I feel all alone. Exactly. I don't know who they are. And so if you take a risk and come out, perhaps two or three or four of those other 20 people will say, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too has been our consistent experience as well. It seems any time someone speaks openly and shamelessly about their mental health, there's a shift in the people listening. They reactively feel permission or a sudden increased comfort or safety, sharing their own stories. Maybe it's knowing they'll be heard, understood, not judged. Um, I think stories, I think coming out does two things. One is um, the degree to which people consider for themselves whether they should be out uh, and tell their stories hugely tears down the shame people have. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think the other thing is, and therefore, the more people that are out, um, the more public statement will go away. A comparison that I'm somewhat comfortable making is looking at how we've changed stigma in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. It's not because my children learned in health class that it's all genetic and hormonal and not having anything to do with choice. It's because by the time they got the health class, they knew they had a gay uncle, actually two gay uncles. Um, gay minister, gay friends. Um, it's the fact that people came out. And I think it's the same thing with mental illness. But don't make the mistake of thinking Dr. Corrigan thinks it's a good or even safe idea for all of us to run out and tell our personal stories to anyone who'll listen. So how much of a risk is there, Patrick, in sharing our stories of depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and suicide attempts? 
huge, but worth it. Um, there are a lot of pros and cons, which you and I could probably identify and agree to. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the person making the decision who needs to weigh them for her or himself. Also, um, that decision's fluid. I mean, partly it changes depending on whether you're talking about coming out work versus your extended family versus mm-hmm. your child's play group. Right. Um, and it also changes over time. Our next question led to one of the most important lessons we've learned doing this podcast. We instinctively believed that sharing stories about life with depression would be helpful to people who hear them. But we didn't yet understand the value to the person sharing. I naively asked, so we and our guests share our personal experiences with depression in an effort to reduce stigma and increase understanding. But I don't get that there's any huge benefit to us putting our dirty laundry out there. And Corrigan made a paradigm-shifting distinction. Well, I think part of the thing is the story's not all dirty. That is a good point. I mean, there's a lot to my mental health struggles that have given me a different, perhaps more broader understanding of the world. I'm probably more likely to be empathic than your average male. I understand hardiness as a result. I understand empowerment as a result. So I think one of the things we try to encourage people, again, is it's not all just an issue of on the way down. It's definitely an issue of on the way up and forming a full person as a result. Another important distinction Corrigan shares is that society deals with the stigma of mental illness as a public health issue. He says instead it needs to be seen and fought as a social justice issue. For any other kind of ism, racism, homophobia, sexism, people that are harmed by the stigma are the ones that are leading the charge. And the problem with mental illness stigma is a lot of times it's been led by either good intended family members or professionals, not the people with mental illness themselves. So I think firstly, like any kind of empowering effort, which is what anti-stigma effort is, it's people with lived experience need to do it. And since that includes... Well, all of us. We asked how to do that. I think you're either a person with the condition, in which case you should be taking the lead, and the lead is telling you a story of recovery, or you're an ally, somebody who stands behind, stands with a person with the condition and says, I accept you, I respect you, I'm with you as you are. Um, I also think that for your listeners, coming out is not a light thing to do. It has lots of risks. Um, a Supreme Court judge once said it's hard to stop the clanging bell. Once you're out, it's very hard to go back. And so I would not say to people lately, you know, tomorrow I'll go to work and let everybody at work know. Um, but if you've thought about it, considered the pros and cons, learned relatively safe ways to come out and decide to do it, the more you do it, the less shame you're going to feel and the more the rest of the world's going to figure out that people with mental illness are, are, are as competent, able, um, empowered as everybody else. One of the things I just wanted to add, because I love that he's saying, you know, taking the risk to come out and be public about what you struggle with is a risk, but You know, in addition to reducing shame, one of the things that I can definitely say is that it takes a lot of energy um, to hide 
your true self. Hmm. And one of the things that happens if you are taking that risk to be honest and transparent is that you get gifted all of that energy that you were using to hide Hmm. to now both manage whatever it is that you're managing and also live your life. So there, I think there can be this lifting of that burden. And I think that's a very good thing. Now, again, I I love that he he says this comes with risk. You need to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just another point I wanted to to make. In the Honest, Open, Proud program that Dr. Corrigan was part of creating, there's also a part of it that is different ways to disclose, Mm -hmm. including testing a person for disclosure so that you find out how they might respond. And one of the things I want to say, because of the hundreds of episodes we have, if you're not ready or comfortable or any other reason, not going to tell your own personal story, just Mm -hmm. don't want to. You can use these. You know, that that's one of the nice things. It doesn't actually have to be your own story if you're not there yet. You can say, hey, I was listening to this podcast. Why were you listening to a depression podcast? Come up with something for that. Maybe a friend's podcast. Consider us your friend. And, you know, you can say, I heard this guy say he lives with suicidal ideation all the time. You can say, I heard this woman say, you know, when she's depressed, she can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And now you're using personal stories. But it doesn't have to be self-disclosing if you're not there. Yes. So there are lots of ways to start the discussion. And boy, can you tell right away, you know, that dipping your toe in the water. If you bring it up to someone and they're like, hey, 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 well, she sounds like she's nuts. That is not the person to continue the conversation with. Right. That's a good safety test. <laughs> yeah. And if they say, oh, me too. What's the name of that podcast? Well, now you've got an ally. Now you've got somebody who understands and is open to having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if it's a me too situation... You may even have somebody to be a support for you or to include in your wellness recovery action plan that we discussed the last two weeks. Right. No, I love that. I love the idea of the podcast being helpful, not just with helping people share their stories, but in helping people test out for safety for allies mm-hmm. and to see whether or not they can they can be able to be honest and authentic themselves. I think that's that's wonderful. Yeah, I personally used the strategy. It was related to another sensitive topic. And I said, hey, you know, I I saw on Oprah that they were discussing blank. And I got a reaction that made it real clear to me. This wasn't Mm -hmm. the time, the place or the people with whom to have that discussion. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, okay, that was a lot easier than me saying, hey, something's been weighing heavily on me that I think I'd like to disclose to you because that would have been a, a real disaster. Mm-hmm. And, and a risk is, you know. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I love I love that he talked about um, battling the stigma of mental illness as a social justice issue. Absolutely. That was wonderful. Just that we're looking at this as how do we get our society, our culture to consider the fairness, giving opportunities to people with mental illness, and trying to equalize that, you know, because I would love to see uh, a world where we all work together to maximize the gifts and strengths of every person and their own unique set of those things. Yes. I'd love for us to be so much more creative about how we do that. Everything from the way that we work, the way that we provide mental health resources to people. I'd love to get change happening there so that we just don't have a situation where People who don't fit that societal ideal 
of whatever we've defined it as, don't have to continue to conform or pretend that there's something else. Again, the energy that it takes to do that is not helpful to the person. Mm-hmm. And the hiding doesn't allow them to kind of be honest, to be authentic, to kind of, you know, offer those good things that he said. He said the laundry's not all dirty. Oh, I love that. We've got we've got these incredible gifts of being um more grateful, more sensitive, more non-judgmental and compassionate and empathetic. And and so I think our society needs more of that. And I'd love for us to find a way where we recognize that those are some of the gifts and strengths that can come along with this so that people don't have to hide. Yeah. Thank you for not using the word resilience. I'm currently burnt out on it because there's a part, you know, I I, I am resilient. I can use that word on my yes. list of adjectives to describe mm-hmm. myself, but I don't want to have to be, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, I don't mm-hmm. like it when people just keep piling stuff on you and telling you how well you're handling all this stuff that's right. being piled on you. I prefer to have less of it. So Absolutely. I am appreciative that you did not use that word to describe those of us who are living with these challenges. No, I make the assumption if you're if you're managing something that's chronic, you're very strong and resilient already. But we I agree with you. We don't need to praise you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just you have to do what you got to do to survive. So no, we're looking at thriving. We're looking That'd at how nice. do we get beyond just surviving and into thriving. And can we somehow reduce stigma in this culture so that we can thrive. Mm-hmm. We can use the energy that we had to put towards hiding like this is some awful right, thing right. and instead be able to say, if I'm managing this and I'm managing it well, I have many extra gifts to share. I have a whole lot of wonderful strengths to bring to my family, my community, my workplace. I mean, that's a pie in the sky. I would love to see this happen. But I think anytime we're, we're busting stigma, hopefully we're moving you know, closer to to that ideal that I'd love to see. I would love to see it as well. Uh, We will be discussing stigma in the next two episodes as well. And in those, we're going to be including some of your voices as listeners, as previous podcast guests. If you would like to be included in those episodes at givingvoicetodepression.com, there is a record a message widget. And you can answer the question either, is stigma real? Does it exist about mental illness? And if so, how it has affected you personally? Mm-hmm. And we can continue our exploration of the subject of stigma in a much more personal way. Right. Your voice matters and we want to hear it. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen 